Women's tiny pockets. Elon Musk's a poet and we didn't know it. Plus all the latest gaming news. It's all coming up on the CNET UK podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scene at UK podcast. I'm Richard Trenholm and I'm joined by Katie Collins. How are you doing, Katie? I'm very well, Rich. How are you? Great. Very good. Thanks. Yeah, uh, we've got a lot to talk about this week, so let's crack on. First of all, this is probably a subject close to your heart. Uh, women, it's official. Women's pockets are too small. There's been a study done about uh, the size of pockets in women's jeans, women's clothing, uh, in, specifically in relation to smartphones and the size of smartphones and whether you can fit an iPhone X in there uh, or a Samsung Galaxy. And most of the time, you can't. Uh, so 100% of the time, men's front pockets could accommodate an iPhone X, but only 40% of the time could a pair of women's jeans accommodate an iPhone X, and it actually drops to 20% for the uh, the Samsung Galaxy and the Google Pixel phone. Only 5% of uh, the pockets tested of women's jeans could handle these gargantuan phones. Now, Katie, you're a woman. Yes. As a woman, tell us uh, how you feel about these results. Well, I mean, I think that this uh, is an issue, firstly, that's very, very close to my heart, mm-hmm. um, being a woman that wears jeans a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually think that this has been a problem for decades um, and it's just really coming to light now mm-hmm. because uh, our smartphones are so big. Um, if, if smartphones hadn't got bigger, then perhaps we never would be discussing this, uh, which I think would be a terrible shame because it's really about time that uh, women's pockets uh, got the attention that they deserved in the news. Free the pocket. Um, Hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this isn't just a... a a small pocket issue mm-hmm. there are a lot of women's clothes don't have pockets at all mm-hmm. and let me tell you how inconvenient <laughs> that is um i saw a meme recently online um, which basically said how do you know if uh, a woman's dress has pockets mm. um and the punchline was she'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> i remember once i was at a wedding when uh, someone i dis- uh, i know uh, discovered they had pockets that someone said oh that's a nice dress and and they were like oh yeah thanks and as they were kind of like swooshing it about they discovered pockets and they were like oh my god it's got pockets yeah. and we almost had to stop the wedding to make it like the father of the bride was mid-speech <laughs> and he had to sort of stop and say ladies and gentlemen this woman is a woman with pockets and she's very happy about it yeah um, I treated myself to a birthday dress this year, mm-hmm. um, and m- the thing that I was most excited about was that it had huge pockets. <laughs> I could have, uh, so I, I'm actually using um, an iPhone 8 Plus, which is slightly bigger okay. than the iPhone 10. Um, it's the same size, size screen, but the the actual body of the phone is is bigger. Mm. Um, so I could, I, but I could easily fit maybe two. I reckon I reckon I could fit two phones in each of the two pockets. I could carry four phones. Four phones, that Collins. Dress. That's what they call yeah. you. <laughs> You've got a backup for your backup. Yeah. Uh, is this one of those cases you think where, uh, uh, like, obviously, like you say, for years women have been carrying stuff around like, uh, uh, like, like makeup and that kind of thing. Yeah. And no one's really addressed this pocket issue, but suddenly smartphones come along that are a thing that men understand. Do you think mm. that this is a thing that only comes to the men only are only taking seriously because? Uh, because it's, a, it's, it's technology, a, it's something exactly. that they can understand yeah. and relate to. Um, I think that it's it's definitely kind of brought it to the forefront a, a little bit more. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I, I would personally love the option to sometimes be able to go places without a bag. That would be a really, really lovely thing. Like, mm. you know, you see plenty of men on nights out or just kind of just kind of nipping to the shops or whatever and just being able to yeah. put their it's wallet great. and their phone in their pocket and go. It's fantastic. And I, 
I want to be able to do that. <laughs> you know, it's. I think it's. This is a feminist issue. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. That I yeah. should have. You know, it should be a fundamental right that I should just be able it to should. go places without a bag. It should. It's, it's human rights. That's all we're talking about. <laughs> um, so yeah. So uh, uh, let us know how you feel about the whole pocket issue. Are phones just too big, or are pockets too small? I think that's kind of the fundamental question when it comes to technology. Uh, or is it somewhere in the middle, as with most things? <laughs> it's a bit of a grey area. Right? <laughs> Sitting on the fence there, Rich. <laughs> yeah. um, so also, have, what's happening this week? Uh, Elon Musk. I mean, just there's just every time you look at what Elon Musk is up to, there's just more stuff that you did not expect to ever be uh, dealing with. So fresh yep. from uh, his his bizarre Twitter row with Azalea Banks, uh, he has uh, proved that he's he's been getting into poetry. Yes, so um, this was this happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yesterday was exactly two weeks from the date that Musk kind of teased on Twitter that he might take Tesla uh, private. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, earlier in the day, um, he hadn't tweeted anything all day, and we we suddenly realised that he deleted his his Instagram account without saying anything. Right, it just gone. Yeah, um, and it's not the first time. Elon Musk's deleted social media accounts. So mm-hmm. um, earlier this year, for example, he deleted uh, the Facebook pages for uh, two of his companies, SpaceX and Tesla. Mm. Um, now, uh, we were all a bit mystified as to what was happening. And uh, I got in touch with one of his representatives. Yeah. No comment. <laughs> they were <laughs> um, like, your guess is as good as ours, mate. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and uh, I think... Like I, I suspect like what I thought would happen is as as usually happens with Elon Musk is he likes to kind of be his own spokesperson, mm. use Twitter as his microphone, and I thought oh I'm sure yeah, later that's in the day that's worked out really well for him yeah. in the past. <laughs> Uh, if I were his spokesman, I would probably suggest that maybe he takes a bit of time off. Yeah. It's probably a good thing for him, but there you go. So what, what is this latest thing he's tweeted then? So um, rather than tweeting an explanation, um, all he said was um, he tweeted, a, a, I, I don't know whether the, it was a direction, whether it was read Elliot's notes on the wasteland or read Elliot's notes on the wasteland, as in uh, you should read this or... I've just read this. Right, it's yeah. not very clear. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but he he tweeted a, a link to a Wikipedia article about uh, T. S. Eliot's poem, The Wasteland, mm-hmm. um, and also a a kind of a short passage a from The Wasteland. A passage. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought. Uh, I would read the passage. Now. Okay, and um, bring bring the full weight of your yeah. your gravitas and uh, an acting experience to this. Well, yes, I I did do an English literature degree, so this is this should be oh, my area of it's a, be something a speciality. Special. Yeah, but we didn't do performance poetry, um, but you know we did do some TSL. <laughs> Give it a go. A bit, a bit of spoken word, a bit of slam <clears throat> poetry coming up for you, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, Phlebas the Phoenician, a fortnight dead, forgot the cry of gulls and the deep sea swell and the profit and loss. A current under the sea picked his bones in whispers as he rose and fell. He passed the stages of his age and youth, entering the whirlpool. Gentile or Jew, O you who turn the wheel and look to windward, consider Phlebas, who was once handsome and tall as you. My word, I mean, that that was... was That was something special. Bravo. Thank bravo. you, Rich. I do appreciate that. That was, that, was, that was lovely, yeah. I, I mean, what significance it has for Elon Musk, I've absolutely no idea. Um, well, so, I, I you know, I, as I said, I did an English literature degree, um, and I would <laughs> really? offer my well, own interpretation <laughs> now, Yeah. but I don't need to because um, some 
wonderful journalist at Bloomberg had a little crack at it, and I think <laughs> did a really good job. Okay. So I'm just gonna, um, I'm just going to, uh, we, we'll we'll try and link to this mm. uh, this piece in the show notes to give mm. them their due. Um, but they they pointed out that it has been a fortnight um, since uh, Elon Musk tweeted his uh, uh, that he had he had funding secured, funding secured to take yeah. take Tesla private. Mm. Um, and so, you know, he was saying, he, as, as in the poem, he says, a fortnight dead. Um, and I, I mean, obviously, he's still alive. But I mean, who knows <laughs> what he's been going through some private turmoil it's, in that time. <laughs> who knows what's going on in that in that Elon's uh, Elon Musk's head. It's one of the great questions of our time. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we'll one day we'll figure it out, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, yeah, no, fascinating stuff. And yeah. if, uh, if you have a favorite piece of poetry uh, that applies to a particular tech uh, billionaire and eccentric, <laughs> then uh, then then let us know. Is there a piece of is there a particular poetry or limerick that goes better with Elon Musk than the wasteland? We'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe I should start a column on that. I think this. I th- to be honest, I think we should start poetry corner in this podcast. I think if yeah. you know if if you're a big fan of the uh, the poetry, then we can we can do more of it. You know, Katie's poet turn, yeah. turn it to full on Katie reads poetry podcast. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think that, that's getting, I'm getting a thumbs up from across the board. Yep, I'm my, sure yeah. I'm sure there'll be some comments on YouTube suggesting that we don't do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's always some comments on YouTube suggesting that we don't do things, and it's never stopped us before. Uh, right. So uh, so yeah. So uh, moving on. Uh, and in, so something that uh, that some, someone mentioned actually was that that particular piece of poetry that lends its name to consider Phlebas, Phlebas the uh, the. Is that how you say it? I hope it is, yeah. Yes. Which is which is an Ian M. Banks sci-fi novel and that's going to be turned into a TV show by Amazon, which leads us rather tortuously and roundabout. Nice Lee. segue. Yeah, it was a bit it was a bit bit laboured. But I'm gonna I'm gonna run with it. Uh, it brings us around to Amazon's latest TV show, uh, Jack Ryan, which is based on the famous Tom Clancy best selling uh, series of novels and the character uh, Jack Ryan, who's been seen in movies before. Uh, you might have seen the uh, the Alec Baldwin movie Hunt for Red October with Sean Connery. You might have seen the two Harrison Ford movies about Jack Ryan. You may have seen the Ben Affleck one and the Chris Pine one, but no one really likes to talk about those. And after all those movies, they're trying to make Jack Ryan into a big TV show. And I watched it and it's okay. Oh. Yeah, it's. I mean, so the thing is, it's uh, it's going to be on Amazon uh, very soon. It's. Uh, I think it's the thirtieth of. I will tell you that in a minute. Thirty first of August. So mm-hmm. uh, not not long. Um, it's it's okay. the The problem is, it's really really generic. Mm-hmm. Um, when Tom Clancy's novels were written, he was like a real master of this kind of geopolitical spy story. This kind of like uh, nations and terror and, and terrorist kind of groups at war with each other, and uh, kind of globe trotting story about these kind of these these smart analysts and and uh, it was it was you know he was a real master at that story and the mm. Jack Ryan character who is this like office desk jockey who's kind of dragged into these conflicts um, was, was kind of was really well realized in the novels he's like the smartest guy in the room mm. and uh, he uh, can sort of be drawn into action but it's a very good it's, it's, it's all about the politics of these situations and they were really really good um, and yeah they're absolutely they sell by the they sell by the aircraft carrier fall but the problem is when Jack Ryan's put on screen, sitting at a desk or working on a computer doesn't quite translate onto screen quite quite so well. And to be honest, it just doesn't really grab me as a character. Mm. Um, and it doesn't help that this particular show it just doesn't have anything particularly unique about it. Like you've seen everything in this show before. There's a lot of stuff of like guys with beards 
like following other guys with beards through African marketplaces and like frowning and saying like we, he's made us and then kind of jumping into jumping into cars and and uh, and and chasing around after people and and then it cuts to like an office where there's a bunch of people in this kind of like glass framed office looking at millions of computer monitors going I think you know where's he going we've lost him you know where's mm. Bourne's on the move and this kind of thing except it's not a Jason Bourne movie but you've you've literally seen all this before and there's very very little that's new it's very slickly done it's very cinematic and you know there's a good chance that if you like this sort of thing you're going to like this but it just doesn't have any of the kind of like fresh angle or you know even just a slight twist yeah. on the formula that stuff like Homeland or you know various other movies uh, have that are very similar to this I was I was thinking about this just last night actually mm. because I saw it's a totally different genre but when I was on the tube I saw um a, a poster for a new adaptation of Vanity Fair oh, yeah. the mm -hmm. Thackeray novel mm. um and I they, they made a film of that I mean it must have been at least 10 years ago now mm. with Reese Witherspoon in it but I did think you know they especially with these book adaptations of, of kind of well-loved series mm. or well-loved loved books you know i think if they're going to do it more than once if they're going to redo redo it then it really has to be something special mm. and it does have to be something new i mean there are other adaptations i can think of that you know i remember when they remade pride and prejudice for example which also is you know not of this this genre but mm. the bbc adaptation was so classic right. it was so brilliant you know people still talk about it it yeah. was with with colin firth diving into the lake as mr darcy yeah yeah and the fact that they remade it just kind of seems a little bit pointless mm. um and i i i mean there are things that i think you know the adapt the first adaptation perhaps the technology wasn't quite there like the the way that they adapted it perhaps could have done with some work like I, I often think of his dark materials by Philip Pullman mm, yeah. um, and those novels and they actually ended up only making the golden compass the first one of the books and mm. it didn't go down very well yeah everybody sort of said it wasn't particularly well done mm. and, and I think that they're now going to make a long-form TV exactly, adaptation yeah, yeah. out of that which I think would be it's a much better format for it mm. and much better um, and it's an opportunity to to give that amazing series the adaptation it deserves but unless you're going to like you say really bring something fresh and really new to it then i can't really see the point in re-adapting something yeah again. well that's well that's it and, and and this is an amazon show and uh the amazon previously have made a lot of kind of uh quite prestigious kind of like quirky shows mm. and they haven't really had a big hit in the realm of like uh, hulu's handmade tale or netflix's stranger things um and uh you know they've won a bunch of awards for transparent stuff but then they haven't had like a big kind of mainstream hit yeah. and uh, that that's kind of why they're shifting a bit towards these kind of big tentpole things so they're doing they're doing jack ryan um, but they're also doing lord of the rings and it's the same it's like you say i mean it's not like we don't have a definitive version yeah. of lord of the rings no one watched the peter jackson lord of the rings movies and went well that was good <laughs> but it could have been longer yeah um, so you know it's kind of i kind of wonder what they're doing and the thing about this jack ryan show is that uh, it kind of wipes away all of the sort of the 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 the, the kind of the, the surroundings and the settings from the from the books because mm -hmm. it's you know it's it's 20 30 years later so um so like the kind of cold war setting is completely gone and when you take this character who isn't really that interesting on his own and you kind of put him into a very very generic sort of setup that mm -hmm. is that, that has just been lifted straight out of spy game and homeland and all these other kind of you know identical spy movies it's uh, it's it's really difficult but um on, as a kind of like uh, code to that i'm actually quite looking forward to the vanity fair because i recently spoke to the uh visual effects people who mm -hmm. worked on it and uh, uh, you know, with it being a, a period 
period uh, story, you don't really think about there being visual effects. But actually, there's quite there's a huge number of visual effects in it. They used um, they used uh, cutting edge digital visual effects to create stuff like um, uh, some of the things we talked about, where the Battle of Waterloo is seen in the mm. in the story. And so they used visual effects to do that in a way that hasn't been seen in a period uh, drama before. And they also um, one of the scenes that we talked about that we um, that we focused on. This is an interview that's going to be coming up fairly soon. So if you're interested in this kind of stuff, look out for this. Uh, but they talked about how they recreated Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens, which is oh. this kind of like bacchanal, yeah. um, the kind of uh, the kind of like so, well, I suppose Soho was the Soho of the time, but this kind of uh, you know kind of like outrageous sort of uh, uh, bacchanalian decadent place where people would go to to uh, to entertain themselves. And they've we used tell visual. Us what we could do with recreating that for us. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds it sounds pretty cool. But they, this is the thing. So they've used visual effects to to kind of build out the scale of that mm. and and do and realize that in a way. Um, so there's going to be a shot where you'll probably uh, the idea is that you won't notice that it's visual effects, but there's going to be a shot where someone walks through this incredible, lively, teeming set mm. and then walks into a hot air balloon and, and flies up and the camera stays with the balloon. And it's all done through visual effects. So that's something that you wouldn't have yeah, been able that, to see like 10, 20 amazing. years ago. So that sounds pretty cool. So if they, you know, if they can, if they can bring this kind of like, you know, new, new sort of generation of filmmaking to it, then, yeah. that's, then that's very exciting. I'm not sure that Jack Ryan does <laughs> that. I mean, like I say, if you're into your spy stuff, then yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, you know, standard issue does the job and it is very slick and cinematic but uh, you know for me it just didn't have any kind of freshness or uniqueness to it unfortunately um, but yeah so you'll see that on the 31st of August so look out for that if you are a Tom Clancy fan anyway and you've uh, so there's something else that you've been watching recently as well that's correct so this <laughs> is obviously one of Amazon's big rivals oh. in the video sphere yeah. um, which is uh, it's a Netflix original that was released last Friday mm. um, uh, and um Netflix, uh, when it comes to its originals, obviously it has had these big hits mm. um, like Stranger Things. Um, but they're in, in the kind of um, teen genre, mm. uh, the kind of, you know, that kind of high school uh, genre, which has a kind of, um, I, I would say, a kind of an audience that is, is teens and sort of people in their 20s mm. as well. Um, it has not been doing so well recently. <laughs> okay. So... The, so earlier this year, it, the, it was uh, it released se- season two of Thirteen Reasons Why, yeah, mm-hmm. um, which that uh, is is kind of been touted as being quite problematic due to the how it handles the subject matter, which is mainly centered around the suicide of the protagonist in the first, the right. beginning of the first season. Yeah. Um, so and the second season didn't go down that well. It it wasn't they didn't think that they still didn't think that in spite of the kind of the uh these warnings that they put at the beginning of every episode they still didn't think it was handled very well mm. and it also just wasn't reviewed very well right yeah um you've got to be very careful with depicting suicide especially teen suicide yeah. to an audience of teens yes uh, which is an important audience for netflix obviously yeah. um and then uh just earlier this month they had uh, the series that they've really, really been pushing uh, mm. front and center. Uh, I've seen it kind of every time I go onto Netflix. It's always, you know, the main featured mm. show. They well, that'll really be because of the to... algorithm that, that yeah. suggests that you'd be interested in it. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and also every time I search for anything, mm. and you know that thing isn't there or I haven't spelt it right, that is also it's the first like, thing. Do you want to watch Insatiable? Up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, the show is um, Insatiable, which deals with um, a really overweight girl who loses loads of weight, and it's just been kind of rinsed really for just being mm. problematic in the way that it it's kind of body shaming but mm. also 
just like being politically correct in like a million different ways that you would not expect right. in 2018. Um, so I was really pleased this Friday when they released um, a really lovely film, which is an adaptation of a really popular young adult novel mm-hmm. um, called uh, To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's um, this is a, it's a kind of um, a teen rom-com uh, it's uh, it involves a girl who basically she she has um, she has this kind of these five letters mm-hmm. that she keeps in her bedroom that she's written to the five boys that she's had crushes on. Okay. Um, and her younger sister basically decides that she this, that her older sister needs a boyfriend, so she mails them out mm-hmm. to all of the boys that they are written to. Gasp. Yeah. <laughs> and drama ensues. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, uh, the uh, the protagonist uh, Lara Jean kind of ropes in a fake boyfriend to okay. uh, ward off any trouble. Right. Um, and uh, I I thought that this was a, a great example of um, a it's really beautifully done like mm-hmm. really like uh, cinematically I thought it was gorgeous. Mm. Um, the uh, the acting was was lovely. They were convincing teenagers, which I think is a really important thing yeah. for anything that you're going to set in a high school. Yeah. No Freddie Prince Jr. in sight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, uh, it was just a really sweet kind of film for 2018. Very unproblematic. Mm. And it's really kind of appealed to people online. It's kind of... Um, it's sort of uh, the 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 main uh, the other main character, a guy called Peter Kavinsky, mm-hmm. um, has sort of become a bit of a meme on Twitter. I've heard that name on Twitter. Yep, yeah, um, And he's uh, he because he's 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 such a sweet uh, fake boyfriend. <laughs> you know, why would you need a real boyfriend when you can have a really adorable sweet one? So it sounds like really a, a bit of a dose of positivity. Then it really is, and it feels actually, funnily enough, it's really PG. Um, like it's so kind of you know there it's not there are no all of the things that you think that you need to make a kind of like good popular mm. teen drama. There's no drugs, there's no sex, right. there's no like s- like scary hazing, right? Okay, <laughs> or yeah. like um, uh, kind of darkness to it. Mm. Um, there's a little bit of drinking, but you know. <gasps> oh, unbelievable. Um, but apart from that, it's just really, uh, it's quite innocent. And mm. that in itself, in this kind of year of the, all these terrible, <laughs> terrible things, yeah, <laughs> in this awful hellscape year. Yeah, yeah, feels just really lovely. And it's really resonated with people. Oh, um, and so if you ever just, it, it, it doesn't take you too far on the emotional spectrum either way. So it's not a kind of a tearjerker. Okay. And it's not going to be like, you know, it's not, it's not going to be the funniest film we've ever seen. Mm. But it's just a really lovely rom com that will warm your heart. So if you're ever in the if you ever in the mood for like, mm. you know, you need to be perked up. It's kind of per- the perfect yeah. thing, really. And um, yeah, I just think I'm hoping that this is an example of Netflix kind of getting back on track a little bit when it comes to its teen yeah. programming. Um, yeah, definitely. That's the thing. I mean, Netflix has uh, a bit of they they produce so much stuff. It used to mm. be that that when they were their original stuff. Uh, was like a mark of, you know, it was guaranteed quality, house of cards and stuff right from the start. 
uh, you know, there was an orange is the new black when they were like the only two things they had. That was like a hundred percent success rate. Yeah. And as they added new shows and new movies, it they they were all sort of really, uh, you know, really high bar. But then the more stuff they churned out, mm-hmm. and the more that it became clear that they weren't really exerting that much editorial control over it, they were just kind of like throwing a load of money at some some you know big name people like Ricky Gervais and uh, you know all these m- many many people who've appeared on the on the streaming service. Um, it just became clear that like the quality was n- the quality control maybe wasn't there and now they're producing so much new stuff week in week out that it's nice to know that yeah some of this stuff actually is worth watching mm. i mean i watched um uh recently there was another rom-com with uh, Kristen bell and seth rogan uh, which i forgot the name of it it's the one where they go on a cruise uh, we can edit this in later, but it's um, it's it's basically just like an advert for for a cruising company. <laughs> like it's clear they all just went on a cruise for a week. So Kelsey Grammer as well, like father, it's called Kelsey Grammer plays the dad. And I just thought this is this is utter rubbish. I can't can't watch this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, so yeah. So it's good to see that you know Netflix is possibly back on track. Netflix and Amazon trying different strategies, mm-hmm. and we'll see how how they work out. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, let us know what you think of the latest Netflix and Amazon shows. If there's anything in particular that you're enjoying right now, then uh, then let us know. Um, and uh, moving on from movies and TV, we're going to move on to gaming now. Uh, so this week is the big gaming event Gamescom in Cologne in Germany. And so if you're a gaming fan, this is the time to check out the most original, innovative, fresh, groundbreaking titles like Battlefield 5, Life is Strange 2, Devil May Cry 5... Uh, and other uh, innovative, brand new, uh, groundbreaking titles, such as Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, I can't believe there's been 2077. I mean, it only seems like about 1,500. I actually probably stopped after the first 800 games, to be honest. But um, yeah, speaking of uh, Cyberpunk 2077, uh, they had an event at Gamescom where they had special fake uh, fake beers made specially uh, related to the game and uh, our intrepid reporter with a bit of heroic journalism Andy Hoyle who's uh, normally in this seat he went out to Germany and he tried all of them and recorded it in a uh, great piece of journalism I think that's going to be the one that's going to win all the awards Definitely. Uh, that's the people right there so he's in the ground in Germany so we're going to go across live not live to uh, Andy in Gamescom Andy what's good What's good, you say? Well, it's definitely not my quite disappointing hotel room, but I believe, Rich, you are probably asking about actual Gamescom launches. Uh, The big news of the show has definitely come from NVIDIA. They have got a whole fleet of new top-end graphics cards, this time called the GeForce RTX 2080. Now, the big thing that you need to know about this is that, of course, it makes your games look a bit more glossy and the performance is generally better. Now that is what we pretty much expected, but the R in RTX comes from a term called ray tracing. Now, to be honest, I didn't really know what ray tracing is or why it's important, but turns out it's a really, really big deal and it's been something of the holy grail of video games. Basically what ray tracing does is really accurately simulate how light really react to different objects and different services in the real world. Um, It it allows for much better reflections on things, much better shadows, um, and it's something that can really give an extra element of realism to your games. Um, Basically, a shiny surface can now reflect anything in its environment. Now, previously, it would only reflect things that were already on screen. Um, but now like you can sort of move around a mirror and it will sort of actually reflect what else is there. We saw a great example from uh, the upcoming Battlefield 5 where um, like a tank's 
muzzle flash when it fired a um, shot around, I don't know what tanks fire, um, the, the flare that came off that muzzle, you can see reflected in different objects all around, even though the muzzle wasn't on screen. So it just means that when you're playing a game, things are reacting in the way that they should do, so you feel a lot more immersed. It might not sound like a big deal, maybe I'm not explaining it in quite the best way, but really it all adds up to a much more immersive look overall. It's the sort of thing that when you're playing even a, a game of great graphics now, you don't realise what can be improved until you see how it can be improved and you see what's happening there. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, as I say, we saw Battlefield 5, we saw, what else did we see? Uh, Metro Exodus, basically a lot of the big games, uh, Shadow of a Tomb Raider, of course, this all has this. Um, and it's not just for reflections as well, the shadows, um, particularly in Shadow of a Tomb Raider, um, they are softer, they interact with other shadows in a more realistic way. So as you're walking around a scene, everything just looks nicer. It is difficult to kind of see, so like, I do urge you, if, if we if we aren't already putting on screen different demos, which I'm hoping we have got some examples, do go on YouTube and hunt down different things. There are screenshots all over the place of, of different before and after versions with this technology switched on and with it not switched on, um, all of which makes it a big deal. But it's called Gamescom. Let's talk about some actual games. So first of all, the thing I really want to talk about the most is Life is Strange 2, because we didn't really see a lot of that um, at E3. We do know a lot more about it now. We know that the story is going to follow 16-year-old uh, Sean and his little brother Daniel as they escape from uh, their hometown of Seattle to their dad's old hometown in Mexico. Um, I won't say why at this point, why they're escaping, um, just in case you're really trying to avoid any spoilers, um, although the first 20 minutes of gameplay is available um, officially online, so you can go and take a look at that um, should you want to. Um, it does look like to be a really great game, and much in the same vein as the previous Life is Strange series, in that it's completely story-driven, and there are loads of uh, choices for you to make throughout, and um, you know, even down to how you talk to your little brother and how you give these responses to those things. And those choices that you make will um, completely determine the how the game goes and how you interact with characters. Um, as you talk to your little brother, for example, you're given options that I saw to tease him about things and you know, basically play the slightly jerky big brother. But that will then impact your relationship with him down the line and how he responds to you in certain ways. I think it's really interesting. I actually haven't played Life is Strange 1, um, but I know a lot of people who are absolutely obsessed with it. They love it. It's this apparently cinematic masterpiece and um, can really, it, it's very emotional, really brings you into the storyline. This looks like it could be a lot more of that, but because it's not set in just one area, it's spread out. You're going to see more things. You're going to do more things. You're going to meet more people. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting. It's coming out again in episodes, like the previous one did, and the first one launches, I think, September 27th, sometime in September, um, and the other ones will follow sort of six to eight weeks um, after that. So that's looking quite interesting. Uh, I have seen a bit more of Cyberpunk 2077. That was like the big, big thing at E3. Um, but annoyingly at E3, they didn't let any press, which includes us, um, capture any game footage or, or do anything like that. So all we could really do is sort of talk vaguely about what we've seen. 
Annoyingly, that's been exactly the same thing here. We haven't been able to um, capture any footage, we haven't been able to take any screenshots of our own, and we haven't been able to actually play it. We, um, I sat in a dark cinema and I watched about 50 minutes of uh, different bits of gameplay. All I can say is that it does look fantastic. It, the graphics look gorgeous, the actual gameplay itself looks great. Um, you will have to take my word on all of this. Um, it's a first-person RPG, not a first-person shooter. Um, and kind of like Life is Strange, it's very story-driven, and as you go through different missions and quests and things, you, you will have different ways of approaching them, different outcomes from each mission that will... Your choices that you make, again, will determine how the game plays um, later on. Um, it's a dystopian future, it's full of cool-looking guns and swords and biomechanical implants that you can upgrade your own um, vision. Um, and it looks really good. It definitely, it's, it is very dystopian, it's a bit, it's very gritty, and there's lots of bad language, but it looks like a lot of fun. It looks like it's going to be really interesting to play. Um, there are some really cool game mechanics, um, things like different uh, boosts you can give yourself as you're going into certain areas that look like they're administered by uh, and like an asthma inhaler. The character, when you need to do something, just puts this thing and goes and breathes it in and suddenly they're more powerful. I don't think that's how asthma inhalers work um, as far as I've ever been known. If they do work like that, then do let me know because I'd like to try some. Um, but more importantly than the game, perhaps, are the promotional beers that they had on their media stand. And they had uh, four different ones, and I thought it's important to try every single one because journalism. Uh, so do go and take a look at that if you are interested to know why I was quite drunk uh, at a conference at about one in the afternoon. Some of the things I've played, which I think were pretty fun, I had a go on Elder Scrolls Blades. That is the Elder Scrolls mobile game, um, which is... Pretty much the nearest that you're going to get to Skyrim on a phone at the moment. It does look really nice, almost console-level graphics um, on, a, on an iPhone that I saw it playing on. Um, again, it's an RPG. It's not, as it's not as open as Skyrim or Elder Scrolls Online. You, as you move around the world, there are pretty set pathways for you to follow. But then you'll find enemies, enemies along the way and you tap in certain ways in order to take them, take them down. What's pretty cool about this game is that you can play in horizontal mode or you can turn the screen and play in vertical orientation with just one hand, which is really nice if you just want to casually play a little bit um, on the bus or as you're walking somewhere. Actually, no, don't play games when you're walking. Pay attention to where you're going. That's how accidents happen, people. Come on. Um, but yeah, it looks, really, it, looks, it looks fun. I only played a short demo. Um, it's all we've seen so far. We haven't seen anything new about it since E3. Um, but I did just want to highlight because I am a bit of an Elder Scrolls um, nerd um, to an extent. I'm constantly playing Elder Scrolls online. So the idea of having something which looks really nice on a phone is pretty exciting uh, for those times when I can't take Skyrim on my Switch. Um, also, things that I thought were really fun. Um, Nintendo uh, showed me a bit of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Um, again, no big updates from E3. They have launched some new characters um, since then, but... To be honest, none that I particularly know or really care about, but the game itself looks like a lot of fun. I think what the what the Switch does really, really well is that multiplayer fun game. I loved Mario Kart 8 because I can have four people, again, in my house all playing games together, whereas I've really found, and I, and I know I've moaned about this on the podcast before, so I won't go into detail, but most games consoles focus on online play. So, yeah, you can have your Xbox One and you can be playing 
racing games and stuff, but you're playing against other people on other consoles in probably other parts of the world. Like we've really sort of lost that social local gaming where you can have your mates around, crack open a few drinks and, and game together. But I really kind of got that back with Mario Kart and I, I had people around all the time and we we're playing and we had a really, really good time and I really enjoyed that. So I like the fact that we've got more uh, local multiplayer games like Smash Brothers that you can fire up and you can play short but intense matches and just have a lot of fun together. That's really, really cool. Um, overall, though, the show hasn't been full of news. It, it really does play second fiddle to E3. E3, back in June, is where we saw all the big announcements. That's where all these games were first shown off. And really, E3, uh, Gamescom has pretty much seemed just like an opportunity for some of the European press who didn't get to E3 to have hands-on with games. We've had some tiny little incremental announcements on, on some things, um, but no major news, no major launches. The big thing really has been the um, uh, NVIDIA's graphics card, and that is a big deal. So that's exciting that they did that here, because I think that they were supposed to announce it at E3, but decided for whatever reason to not do. The show itself is open to the public at the moment. I went in um, yesterday and it was a seething mass of people, in particular around the um, the booth for Fortnite. Now, Fortnite obviously is a global phenomenon at the moment. They didn't really have any big news at the show, but they did have a huge, huge stand, which had its own assault course built around it. There were zip lines you can go on, walls to climb over. Um, uh, there was like a bucking bronco, one of those ride-on things, but it was a missile from the game rather than a bull. Um, there were live uh, live acts on stages, including I think I saw one that was um, like how to craft a weapon. And I saw um, yesterday when I was there, there were people in costumes dancing to Aqua's Barbie Girl and throwing t-shirts out into an audience of literally thousands of people. It was a crush of people all around the booth, huge keys, people queuing for hours to have a go on these things. Really did, did highlight for me how much of a phenomenon Fortnite is, because yes, I'm aware everyone talks about it and stuff and it's a really popular game, but until you kind of go to somewhere and you see all these people lining up to get any kind of interaction with the game, it really drives home how big a deal it is. And that was kind of surprising. Um, so yeah, it's been good fun. Um, there's, there's plenty to read about Gamescom. If you do head to cnet.com forward slash Gamescom, you will be able to see all of our coverage from there. Um, and But there's nothing yet more to come, but we are expecting some more hands-on with some games and there are plenty of new games launching over the next few months um, uh, before, um, before the end of the year, um, including Shadow of a Tomb Raider and other big titles, which I've seen nothing of at Gamescom, like Red Dead Redemption 2. So obviously there's plenty more gaming news to come, so do keep your eyes on CNET. Otherwise, that is it from me from the show. I am going to uh, probably tidy up my hotel room and check out, but not before having a little bit more of this nice German beer. So I'll see you guys back in the studio soon. <laughs> uh, we miss him. Anyway, so for more information on uh, on those latest games and watch the trailers, all that kind of carry on, then uh, just search cnet.com for the word gamescom, all one word, that's games and then com without a dot or anything, it's just like one, you'll figure it out. We've got a uh, one-stop article listing all the uh, the coolest new stuff, so if you look for Gamescom 2018, biggest news and games, you'll find that there. Or if you really want to go in depth, you can check out our, uh, our console-based 
friends over at gamespot.com they're not console based i don't know why i said <laughs> they were like console based but they are people they're human beings <laughs> and no matter don't let anyone tell you differently some of um, them are pcs <laughs> yeah exactly uh, and uh, yeah so gamespot.com and uh, yeah that's it also speaking of going off to germany to look at uh, a smorgasbord of cool new stuff next week we're not going to be here at the podcast because we're all going to be over in berlin in germany for uh, yes we'll be going to ifa which is EFA europe's biggest tech show um not europe's biggest phone show that's mobile world congress which we've already had this is the tech show so that means that there will be more smart home stuff on mm. display and um, we are hoping to see some big smart home announcements particularly from samsung and lg but you know lots of other uh, kind of white goods companies as well so people that make fridges freezers cookers mm. other things that you have in a kitchen um and uh, hopefully some cool i'm going to personally be looking out for a lot of home robots that's going to be my nice. thing i hope for the show next week love a home robot um and there's a whole other bunch of press conferences as well including sony huawei uh, and honor and i think we might see some phones from them hopefully uh, the new huawei mate uh, which is one of their kind of big phones of the year so uh, definitely look out for that because we'll have all of the news live from IFA. Mm -hmm. and if by the way if you're kind of listening to that and going oh white goods that's not very interesting <laughs> this is the one time of year when white goods are interesting because what these guys do is they take their fridges and their microwaves and their kettles and their toasters and then they put other stuff in them yeah so you'll get like <laughs> fridges with with tablets in the screens in the door and, and cameras get, inside yeah exactly um, dishwashers with like a washing machine in the lid and and a toaster with a, a, a like a home hub router in the in yeah. one of the slots and just yeah it's yeah. just fascinating it's crazy coffee machines and speakers all coffee machines speakers things. like wi-fi connected everything you don't yeah. need your you don't need your pasta maker to be wi-fi connected but no apparently you do and it so, will have yeah. um, it'll have amazon's alexa as well yes yes alexa everything hey alexa make me some fettuccine uh hey alexa i want uh some bread and hey Alexa, I'll see you in Aoife next week. Absolutely, yeah. Great, well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, leave a comment uh, below on YouTube to tell us how much you enjoyed it or how much you hated it. Uh, and uh, don't forget to tell us what you thought of the poetry because that was that was a yeah. big deal for should us. Should we make that a regular spot? Uh, should that be its own separate podcast? You yeah. know, you can... Leave a Ideas comment are welcome. down there or just a big thumbs up. That's all we really need, just a big <laughs> thumbs up. Uh, please do feel free to leave us a review on iTunes as well. And uh, yeah, if you uh, want to drop us a line, you can reach us on CNET UK podcast at cbsi.com. Uh, look for CNET on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, etc., etc. Katie, are you on Twitter? I am. Uh, I'm at Katie Collins on Twitter. How about you, Rich? I am Rich Nightwell with a K on Twitter. Right, that's it from us. Thanks very much. We'll see you soon. Bye.